guys, this is the last church in the seven churches of Revelation. It's been a pretty exciting series to go through this with you guys. Um, tonight we're going to have an activity at the end uh, where we kind of reflect upon the churches that we go to, uh, especially our church here. All of you guys go here, so we're going to reflect on what church we probably most represent and why. And if there's some things that might need to change in our pinto, just like, it called, like Jesus called these churches to do, so we can Jesus really loved. So we talked about Ephesus, it's kind of summed up as a dead church. Smyrna is kind of summed up as a suffering church. Pergamum uh, is summed up as an out-of-worshiping church. Thyatira is summed up as a sexually immoral church. Sardis was summed up as a spiritually dead church. Uh, Philadelphia last week was the church that God really loves. They're doing most things right. Um, and this church is really fascinating. Uh, Laodicean is this church is actually more involved in materialistic things and a more prodigal church. So it's interesting that this is the church that has nothing good said about them. This is the church that Jesus comes down on the hardest. And I think you guys will see that as you go through this church here, why it's so dangerous to be involved in the things that they're involved in and why it can totally derail you from doing the will of God. So we're gonna, I'm going to dive into it here. It's in Revelation chapter 3. This will actually conclude Revelation chapter 3. And before we, right before I dive into it, just to let you guys know about a little bit more about this church. This church was located on the river of, of Lycus. River of Lycus. Okay, so we'll put that up here. River of Lycus. And from what we can tell, it's a pretty wealthy church. Pretty wealthy area. Again, a lot of churches that were beside water uh, or areas beside water back then were wealthier because those things were delivered by boat. Uh, if it wasn't big enough to be delivered by boat, it was still an advantage to have water nearby for uh, food, or not food, I'm sorry, for water and nourishment and things like that. So being beside the river was a luxury. So this church right here, what we're going to read in the passage, pretty wealthy church, um, pretty established. But you'll see the, the, the flaw they have. So let me, let me read it off to you guys. It's in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, and it says, <clears throat> And to the angel of the church of the uh, Laodiceans, right, these things say the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, pretty extreme here, because you will say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have needed nothing. And then do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes uh, with eyes so all, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I have, as I have also overcame. And I sat down... Uh, with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this passage here, we can sum up this church as a prideful stuff. We don't really need necessarily to follow the Holy Spirit. We don't necessarily need God to show up. We can do this stuff on our own now. And so they became a very prideful, prideful church. And because of that, they also begin to value materialistic things. So, again, like, you look at this in, like, a 21st century mindset. There's a lot of churches out there today that just want to be the biggest church to be the biggest church. Or they want to have the nicest stage. Or they want to have the nicest lives. Or they want to have the biggest, you know, youth program. Or, and so they do all these things to achieve these earthly goals. And they miss out on why church is here in the first place. Church is not here to have a concert or to have a party or to have this uh, massive event if you don't do those things to point people to God. If we're just doing those things to do those things so you can feel good about yourself and to pump yourself up, then you're missing the whole point. And so Jesus really comes down to this church and basically tells them that you might as well not be a church at all if you're going to be like this. Because you're all about yourself and you, you've made your, your church and yourself the idol whether they're worshiping me and value me inside the church. And I want you guys to like, listen to what he says again here. Um, he says, I know your works. Through this commentary, it says the result of their basically total devaluation of spiritual things, and they're basically just having the church to hold up themselves, Jesus would have nothing to do with them. He would rather spit them out is the people of this town would actually spit out the water that flowed from the underground in their city. So the water that flowed underground in their city was considered lukewarm water. Lukewarm water was nasty water. It was not water that was really good to drink. Probably not healthy water. Uh, again, it came from an underground source. So it probably wasn't purified. And so these people that would drink lukewarm water, they would spit it out because it was nasty. I mean, they didn't realize it was bad to drink, or they took a sip of it, it would be so nasty they would spit it out. So Jesus tells them that it would have been better for you to be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. You know, most people here uh, would agree they don't like drinks that are super hot or drinks that are too cold. Um, you kind of want something in between. But Jesus is saying that it's better that if you were too hot or too cold than to be lukewarm, because lukewarm is the worst you can be. Totally undrinkable. Uh, and another another translation of this or interpretation could be that uh, people typically prefer their drinks to be hot or cold. But your drink's not really hot nor cold, it's just kind of in between. It's not really good, nobody really likes that, and most people spit it out. So regardless of the exact interpretation here, lukewarm is not good. And so Jesus is saying that you need to repent of your actions, put me first again, or otherwise you'll have no part of me in the end. So what I put here is that this church's material wealth had no eternal benefit. Um, their worldly wealth means nothing without a heavenly perspective behind it. So there can be a lot of really big churches today that are multi-million dollar churches that can be fantastic churches if they have a heavenly perspective behind all they did. You know, the church comes in front of you and says, we want to build a $5 million facility. That might sound great on paper, but the $5 facility is just to open up a nice gym and some sports areas 
And it's not really to bring in lost people to present the gospel, it's just to play games and to have fun and to, and to, and to do things and to build up ourselves. That is not worth it. And Jesus said, you basically wasted all your money because in the end, when you die, that money is transmitted with you. When you get to heaven one day, it doesn't matter how wealthy your church was, how many buildings you have, you know, how many smoke machines you have, you know, whatever it may be. It only matters is, did you point people to me? So if you are a wealthy church, that's fine. But make sure you use your money to uh, help the poor. Use your money to help those hurting your community. If you do build really nice things, make sure the people you're bringing in to come to those things get pointed back to me. Whether you have devotions or you have a preaching message in those facilities, whatever they look like. Make sure I'm involved in it. Make sure Jesus is the center of all that we do. And if it's not, the church is pointless. And so I want you guys to also think about this here in Revelation chapter 3. In spite of how old it is today, the churches. He says here, because you say I am rich, and you have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Jesus is telling them that although on earth you may be the wealthiest, most popular person ever, if I if you don't have me in your life, and I'm not the reason that you're living. I'm not the reason that you get up each day. I'm not the reason that you do the things you do to witness to others and to reach out to others. When you get to heaven one day, you're going to be worthless. And you're going to be nothing. And so Jesus is saying that, yeah, the earth may pump you up and tell you, hey, great job. But Satan wants you to go farther and farther away from me. And he rules the earth right now. But if your whole life is about being the most popular person you can be and having people like you, and people worship you or praise you for what you do, whether it's an athletic thing, whether it's through band or movies or games or whatever it may be. If you don't do those things to point people to Christ and just to pump yourself up, when you get to heaven one day, it's not going to go so well. Jesus is saying that things in this world aren't bad in itself. When you use them to glorify you over me is when it becomes lukewarm and you're basically worthless just get to spit out because you're useless to me. Um, so Jesus is telling them, though, listen to this, this back, of course, important, though. He tells them, although this is the state you're currently in, and it's not good, if you're still living and breathing, you can change. And there's still a chance for I can use you, and you can still be a great church if you do this. And Jesus tells them this right here. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, you may be rich, and white garments may be clothed, uh, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And in the winter eyes, you may see, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. So I want you guys to think about this. Jesus tells them, I rebuke those I love. Why do you guys think that's important? Why does he say that? Rebuke basically means to discipline. Basically, it means like cast out, you know, basically. Rebuke can kind of mean, have different meanings. Uh, and this one here, rebuking, kind of means basically to come down and tell you to. Cast out of your life or to discipline you. 
that sense would be like rebuking Satan coming out of somebody. You can use it for that sense too. Um, so basically what Jesus is saying here is I'm not, I'm not saying all these things to you because I don't love you as a person. I'm saying these things to you because your actions and the way and who you're trying to praise and worship, which is yourself, is useless to me. That's not how I created you to be. But I still have a love for you. So Jesus ends this whole chapter of Revelation, basically, and tells this church that I only say those things to you because I do love you and because I desire for you to repent. I desire for you to repent. And I want you guys to think about this, this in your own life. Your parents are guardians. If you do something wrong, they typically punish you or discipline you, right? Most of you guys have at least experienced that at some point uh, in your life. I think all of you have good guardians and parents. The same is true for Jesus. He's saying that, you know, these churches here, all these churches, including this church here, he's coming down on them and telling them to repent of these things because he knows the farm they go into these things and they don't repent. He can't use them. Again, they're lukewarm. I only meant to spit it out. But he knows that's not how he created them to be. He created each and every one of us for a great purpose and a great perspective. And he gave us each gifts and abilities to be used to glorify him and to, and to, and to build up his kingdom. So even though these people right now in all these churches aren't necessarily doing the right things for him, except maybe this church here, Jesus is saying that if you're still alive, you still have a chance. I urge you to repent. Turn away from those actions. Turn away from honoring yourself and anybody else other than me. And turn your life back on me. And say, Lord, here I am. Use me how you please. Say, here I am, Lord. I want to be used by you. I want to honor you. And he says, if you do that, even though you've messed up so many times in your past, I can change the course of your future. Because if you give your life to me, I'll take all these mistakes you've done in the past, and I'll be able to use them for my glory still in the future. And this church that is rich and wealthy and has probably all these nice buildings and all these nice things, I'll use all those nice buildings and nice things. Instead of building up yourself, I'll use it to build up my kingdom. And you'll see many people in your land come to know me. They're all these things that you have. I'll begin to use your wealth and your possessions for a greater heavenly purpose. And so I think this is a great encouragement to us as we move through Revelation. That even though we all make mistakes, even though Jesus comes down to in Revelation because they messed up doing this, 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 he doesn't come down to them because he hates them, because he thinks those people are less than other people. He comes down on them and disciplines them because he loves them, and he doesn't want to see them keep going down that path. He wants to use them for the purpose he created them to do. He wants to give them a joy and a love and a peace that only comes from him, and he knows that they don't give their lives to him, and he's not the center of their lives. They're never going to have that true fulfillment they're going to, they're going to get in life. Because these earthly things, these worldly wealth, will fade away. And when they get to heaven one day, it's not going to matter. So Jesus is saying that, look, although you guys are doing this right now, if you give your life to me, you're going to enjoy what you, what you get in heaven ten times, hundred times, thousand times more. So please repent. I urge you to repent because I'm going to use you for a much greater purpose than what this world can offer you. Does that make sense? So even though they're lukewarm now, doesn't mean they're destined to stay that way for all eternity. And I think that's what I want, I want you guys to think about as we conclude the church's session in Revelation. 
You know, sexual immorality, spiritually dead, idol worshiping. You know, churches that have lost their purpose, lost their first love. If you're prideful, materialistic, you know, you name it. All of us can fall into these categories at one point or another in our life. Sometimes more than others. But just because we're in that category right now, doesn't mean we have to stay in that category. Just because you've made tons of mistakes in your life, doesn't mean God can't still use you for a great purpose in the future, and doesn't want to. He rebukes you, he disciplines you, because he loves you, and because he wants you to turn away and repent, so you can be used by him again for something glorious in the future. And so I want you guys to think about that as well. When your parents discipline you, you know, when somebody that's older uh, sees what you're doing and says, hey, you know, so-and-so, you shouldn't do that. Uh, you, need to, you need to stop doing that. Or I'm going to punish you because you did this. It's because they want you to learn from that lesson and not do that again. Because they know if you keep going down that path, that path is not going to lead to ultimate life, fulfillment, and joy. The only path that's going to do that is the life of Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us and then do a kind of a cool activity here. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the lesson you teach us in these churches. And the most important truth, God, knowing that we need to put you center in all that we do in our church, in our home life, in our personal life, and in all that we all that we live and breathe, God. And if we do that, we put you first in everything, you're the center of our lives. You're going to use us for a great purpose. Whether it's to be a pastor or a missionary, whether it's just to be somebody in the world that is a great witness and disciple to you. You'll take our gifts, our abilities, and the things you've given, you've given us, and you'll use us for your perfect plan. So we're going to ask you to submit to you. We glorify and praise you in all we say, think, and do. And God, we love you. And please, God, let us feel your love. And all, all we do as well is share that with others. In your name we pray. Amen. I'll be pause the video here.